This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. It's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night. wrestling fans and welcome to another edition of the scumbags wrestling podcast this is officially episode number 98 we are getting oh so close to number 100 and hoping to put together a interactive show where you can be a part of it possibly live on facebook and youtube so with that said this week still got a lot of empty space to fill unfortunately um independent wrestling is shut down only AEW and WWE are still going strong at this moment. However, that's up in the air of how much longer they'll be able to go depending on government regulations. With that said, we're going to try and dig into what's going on in the wrestling world. A little bit of a spotlight on what's going on in the Ontario scene. And we'll be right back at these messages. Thank you for joining us, whether it's on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, iTunes, or anywhere else. Hello, what is up, everybody? It is Ocho from the Ocho and Ortiz Wrestling Podcast, home to the best kept secret in the wrestling podcasting community. Our live podcast from Greektown Wrestling and Union Wrestling. We also discuss a lot of other things WWE, AEW. Every once in a while, we throw in New Japan and ROH. Be sure you're checking out our show. We are available on most major podcasts and platforms, especially on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and our main source of uploading is Podbean, ochoandortiz.podbean.com. You can also follow us on social media, at Ocho Wrestling on Twitter, at Ocho and Ortiz on Instagram, or facebook.com slash ochoandortiz. We also do have a YouTube page, so be sure you're checking out our content there. Just search for Ocho and Ortiz in the search bar. Now, let's get you back to your regular programming. See the stars of tomorrow being built today at the Tyson Dukes Russell Factory. Each week on The Production Line. Available on Facebook and YouTube. You hear the rumble in here? The rumble is the sound of progression and fundamentals are being made at the wrestling factory. This is Tyson Dukes and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling podcast, y'all. And welcome back to the show. As I usually do, we open up with Ontario information and news going on around, but Unfortunately, as we all know, and hopefully are staying home for, the coronavirus, or COVID-19, whichever you want to call it, has uh, taken a huge stranglehold on the world, for that matter, not just here in Ontario and Canada. And so, due to this and the safety of others, a lot of uh, events have been shut down. They're advising us to uh, stay inside for, well, this has now been two weeks, they're saying usually three weeks. Because uh, even the schools are closed for another week and still being evaluated on a day-to-day basis depending on how the uh, curve is being uh, planked. So all the uh, events that were scheduled to happen here in Ontario have been cancelled up until just even the other day with Midwestern Wrestling as they were supposed to have their second show in Listowel. And it's getting down to crunch time whether or not Things are going to continue for other shows coming up in April. Barring any final decisions to cancel the shows, Smash Wrestling is scheduled to return to St. Thomas at the Joe Thornton Arena. And that's going to be on April 19th. Scheduled at the moment 
will be the return of Jim Strider taking on Tyson Dukes. Tarek is set to challenge Kevin Bennett for the Smash Wrestling Championship, and Kevin is expected to have Roscoe and Muscle in his corner. In an untitled tag team match, Books and Looks, which is Rodney Matthews and Michael Grayson, are scheduled to take on Halal Beefcake, Idris Adirham, and Joe Coleman. Plus, Sebastian Suave is going to have his open challenge, so it'll be interesting to see how many matches he decides to have as part of this open challenge, as he figures each match gets some more money. And we saw in Toronto, he tried to have three matches to triple his dividends. And as I said, that happens at Joe Thornton Arena in St. Thomas, Ontario, and that's going to be on April 19th, barring any more cancellations. Then on Saturday, April 25th, Smash Wrestling is returning to the Rec Room in Toronto for Smash vs. NSPW. NSPW is one of the top organizations coming out of Quebec, and this is their year to be challenging Smash in a two-night encounter. Some of the matches scheduled to happen in night number one in Toronto include Ethan Dukes taking on Michael Style. The Pillars, Brent Banks and Tarek, will team together to go against the Untouchables. The King of the North, Carden Mason, will take on the NSPW Junior Heavyweight Champion, Kevin Blanchard. Alexia Nicole is going to go one-on-one with Maeve O'Farrell. And in tag team action, the Wonder Boys take on the Kevin Bennett Experience. Plus, Daniel Garcia faces off against Marcus Burke, and Matt Angel, the current NSPW champion, is scheduled to appear. So that's April 25th in Toronto at the Rec Room, and the following night, NSPW and Smash continue their challenge against each other here in London, Ontario at the London Music Hall. Scheduled to happen at this event include Mabel Farrell taking on Sebastian Suave, Psycho Mike Rollins going against RJ City in what's bound to be more of a comedy show than an actual match. There's a fatal four-way involving Brent Banks, Daniel Garcia, Travis Talk, and Marcus Burke, and the NSPW champion Matt Angel will take on the Smash Wrestling champion Kevin Bennett, plus Tyson Dukes, faces off against the NSPW Junior Heavyweight Champion, Kevin Blanchard. So all this more is scheduled to be happening over these two nights. Toronto on the 25th at the Rec Room. London on the 26th here at the Music Hall. Hopefully things get cleared up in time and we feel confident enough to be interacting with other people and not fearing catching anything uh, COVID-19 related. But at the same time, Until that curve gets flattened and plateaued or planked, we have to follow what the government is saying. And unfortunately, that means missing independent wrestling. It's very sad and it's a reality of life. I do encourage you, though, to seek out your favorite independent wrestler and give them a hand. They're missing out on some important dates and money. For those uh, days worked that they would normally be working on a weekend rather than their regular job that they worked Monday to Friday. And with the time off, they have some merchandise possibly to sell. So reach out to them. Find out how you can be a part of buying some new merchandise off them. And look forward to supporting independent wrestling when it does officially return to a local legion, gym, bar wherever it might occur, a hockey arena. Support independent wrestling, and we'll wait patiently for it to return. Also looking over at Midwestern Wrestling, as I mentioned a moment ago, they had to unfortunately cancel their March 28th show, which was their second show in company history. They were set to crown their first ever Midwestern Wrestling champion. Of course, because of COVID-19, they had to cancel that show is being rescheduled for june 27th at parkview gardens in listowel but then looking ahead to may on may 23rd they are scheduled to go to wingham 
at the Knights of Columbus Hall, and the complex is looking to proceed as planned. Once again, barring any uh, changes with government regulations, we can definitely catch Midwestern Wrestling in Wingham on May 23rd. Now, if you caught the interview that Chris Maloney and I had on TNT a couple of weeks ago with Clarence and Doug, they have mentioned that a lot of the talent that were scheduled to be a part of the listable show just the other day are still also scheduled to be a part of the May 23rd show. So once the, uh, the green light is given for this show to carry on, we'll see if there's any changes that have to be made from the card that was originally posted for March 28th. And yeah, definitely we'll be looking to see the first ever Midwestern Wrestling Champion crowned on that night. Looking back at the Ontario Indie Wrestling March Madness Tournament that we're running over on our Facebook page, this week was the Great Eight that was going on, the final eight in your voting, and Tarek beat Holden Albright, Tyson Dukes defeated Scotty O'Shea, Seiko McRollins went over Casey Spinelli, and Cody Deaner beat Brent Banks. So in the final four are Tarek, Tyson, Psycho Mike, and Cody Deaner. Today, if you are on our Facebook page, you'll be voting for Tarek versus Tyson. These two were the finals of last year, so now only one can advance. And they will face off tomorrow's vote against either the winner of Psycho Mike or Cody Deaner. And the finals voting will happen on March 31st. And we'll officially make the winner announcement on April 1st. So you still have time to get part of the tournament. Vote for your final four. Bring it down to the uh, finalists. And we'll see who comes out this year's winner. Last year, as I said, it was Tyson Dukes as he defeated Tarek. This time, that's coming down to the wire today. You have until about 7 a.m. tomorrow morning, Monday morning, to make your decision. Does Tyson have a chance to repeat? Will Tarek take out the godfather of Ontario wrestling? Your vote matters. Then, tomorrow morning, you'll be able to vote for Psycho Mike Rollins versus Cody Deaner. One will go to the finals of those two. So enjoy the Ontario Indie Wrestling March Madness. The tournament's happening on our Facebook page each and every morning at 7 a.m. As for some of my other shows, normally we'd also be checking in on the Ontario Indie Road Trip. And as said numerous times, no shows are happening officially because of the pandemic that's out there. That show will hopefully return very shortly on our YouTube channel and Facebook. But if you're also looking for action in the ring, I was actually doing Empty Arena matches and presenting them before WWE and AEW were as Tyson Dukes' students at the Russell Factory were being spotlighted each week. Since I've been there recently, they've been taking some time off from doing matches and working on fundamentals, but you can still see all the original episodes of the production line on our Facebook and YouTube channel. So check out the production line and see the future of the indie wrestling business being built today at the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. Are you looking to get into the wrestling business? Well, look no further than the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, located right here in London, Ontario. It's Tyson has over 20 years of experience in the wrestling world, and he's even been brought down to the WWE Performance Center to be a guest trainer. We've already seen the likes of Jordan James, Kyle Boone, Violet Lee, Jim Strider, Pharaoh Bowman, Chris Mitchells, and many more. Plus, the new generation that are coming from the second group, such as Josh Pine, Shiloh, Nova, Frankie War, and many more. 
You don't want to miss your opportunity to learn from one of the best in Ontario, if not all of Canada or the world, in Tyson Dukes. So that's the Tyson Dukes Rust Factory. It's open Monday, Wednesday, and Thursdays. And located at 309 Exeter Road here in London. This is Jim Strider, live from the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory, and you're listening to the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Taking a look at the results for AEW Dynamite this past week, they once again were in a empty arena in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, still at Daly's Place, or Daly's Place. Tony Schiavone, Kenny Omega, and Cody were your commentators for today, because they didn't want Jim Ross, Taz, and Excalibur traveling again for this. And it's smart considering, especially with the age of Jim Ross, and how the COVID-19 does seem to like older people, though lately it seems like it's hitting everybody regardless of age. But they do; it does seem to like older people, so why risk Jim Ross traveling? Just like I believe Jerry Lawler has not been traveling either for WWE. The opening contest of the evening saw Cody, the American Nightmare, taking on Jimmy Havoc. Brandy Rhodes was once again doing her best Eden Styles uh, imitation and was doing the ring announcing for the each match. Jimmy Havoc had gotten Cody down with some leg sweeps and arm drags, and Cody uh, used his size uh, to push Havoc into the corner. And Havoc then ended up rolling Cody up for a near fall. Cody also then hit a cutter off the uh, ropes and then went for a figure four leg lock. Jimmy Havoc uh, then poked Cody in his eyes to break the uh, figure four. And Cody knocked Havoc to the outside and, and then hit a tope suicida. And they brawled on the outside going into a commercial break. Jimmy Havoc had... Uh, Hit a suplex off the turnbuckles, and Cody got his legs into the ropes, and Havoc uh, then stomped on Cody's hand and right elbow. Cody went back to the entrance tile and ran down the ramp using a uh, running lariat on Havoc, and Tony Schiavone pointed out that it was uh, reminiscent of what Great Muda would do. Cody attempted another cutter, but was caught by Jimmy Havoc uh, with an armbar and a clothesline. Havoc then got on top with shots to uh, Cody in the corner, but Cody ended up uh, preventing that from happening. Eventually, it turned into Cody giving Havoc a reverse suplex, and then Cody hit Jimmy Havoc with the crossroads to pick up the pinfall victory. After the match happened, Jake Snake Roberts got on the video wall. Thankfully, they didn't invite him again to be there at uh, Dynamite for taping. And he addressed Cody and wanting to get a debut match for his client, Lance Archer. And so, yeah, that's where things are saying there. He wants actually the match to be Archer versus Cody Hail Caesar, and I believe later on, Cody basically was like, yeah, he has a good repertoire and career, but he's done nothing in AEW to earn himself a chance against Cody above everybody else who is in the rankings of the AEW uh, roster. So it sounds like Cody is making sure that Archer has to climb the ranks of AEW before they end up encountering each other. Um, another thing, though, that was definitely missing from this broadcast was the fact that they last week had talent around the ring on two sides and creating uh, sound. This week, they ended up having the talent in like a dressing room watching from a monitor and still sort of doing the bedding thing and creating noise, but nobody could really hear them. Uh, especially down the ringside area to encourage them. So I will admit that took away from the show this week. And yeah, the show was definitely 
a lot weaker than the previous show as their first empty arena. Moving forward with the rest of the event, though, uh, Superbad Kip Saban took on Darby Allen. Sabian had Penelope Ford in his corner. Cody compared Darby Allen to a young Sting, and if that's what he's being considered, just like JR looks at uh, Sammy Guevara as being an Eddie Guerrero, there's a lot of good talent coming up uh, in the from the independents to the main stages of both AEW and WWE. Penelope Ford ended up getting involved in the match, and Cody actually compared her to um, Baby Doll from the NWA, and so I guess that's another uh, person to look at in that regards as mere image all these decades later. Uh, the match came down to Kip Sabian uh, hitting Darby with a right hook, but then Darby uh, pulled out the win with a last supper leg submission, and so Darby Allen got the victory over Kip Sabian. Then Big Hurt Jake Hager squared off against Chico Adams. So I believe he's uh, just a local competitor from the Florida area. This match was over and done with quickly with Hager sending Adams into the corner. Hit a Vader bomb. Then a choke slam and finished it off with a triangle sleeper to uh, get the victory over Adams. Then AEW champion John Moxley walked down to the ring and wasted no time hitting Hager uh, with the paradigm shift. But Hager rolled up uh, quickly and took Moxley down by the leg, applying the ankle lock. Then Moxley got out of it, and Hager retreated to the uh, back as Moxley uh, swung the championship belt at him. He said that there'll be uh, another chance that they'll fight each other but it won't be until the belt is on the line. So I guess it looks like Jake Hager and John Moxley are going to be colliding eventually over the EW Championship. There's a tape segment uh, shown with uh, the Dark Order's exalted one, Brody Lee, and he was this time in a suit with uh, the other members of the Dark Order, the Minions, uh, wanting permission to eat uh, from the table as well. And yeah, this was very much a attack or parody, I don't know what you want to call it, depending on your view, of Vince McMahon because of just the way things have been said about how Vince won't uh, deal with you if he's eating. He loves a big juicy steak. And yeah, so it was just very pointed at Vince McMahon this whole segment was and uh basically uh the exalted one Brody lee said that there's strength in numbers uh this is the new dark order and we do what we want when we want and making sure you understand that and they are the lions of AEW, and they prey on the weak and so after that aired Brody lee came out and took on qt marshall or QT Marshall, depending on who you uh, listen to. And yeah, it was another quick squash match. A uh, little bit longer than the match that Jake Hager had, but with Brody Lee picking up the win in his AEW debut, and then one of the minions ended up dropping a Dark Order mask onto Marshall, who was uh, still in pain after being taken out by Lee. So it looks like they're offering him a chance to be part of the Dark Order, and whether or not he accepts it or not, we'll have to wait and see. Then there was an update on Nick Jackson, and that was brought to us by Vanguard One, and the drone had flown apparently to Rancho Cucamonga, California, where the uh, Jacksons live, and Vanguard One was seeing Nick Jackson uh, training to get back into the good health. And according to the screen, it looked like Nick is at 61% recovery. The final match of the night was the main event, uh, having the AAA Mega Championship match 
uh, Kenny Omega defending the title against the Spanish god Sammy Guevara. There's so much that went on with this match. It was a really long one between these two. I won't say it was stellar because I don't know if it was just the setting, the lack of uh, noise, or just the awkwardness between them. There was a part where near the end where Sammy Guevara just looked really bad trying to stagger and yeah, it just didn't look good. In the end though, after a couple V triggers, Omega ended up hitting the one wing angel and getting the victory over Sammy Guevara. The final segment on the night had Le Champion, Chris Jericho and Matt Hardy meeting face to face inside the AEW ring for the first time ever. Um, they obviously have a lot of history between each other from their WWE days. Both are masters at changing up their image and freshing it up and just evolving. Um, before Matt Hardy came out, Chris Jericho confronted Vanguard 1 and insulted Vanguard 1, then decided to offer Vanguard a chance to be in the inner circle and all the gas bubbly uh, in his tank and a lot of offers until Vanguard then flew off. Jericho was yelling at Vanguard 1, calling him a coward. And then that's when Matt Hardy showed up and he appeared up in the rafters and then in the stands and eventually made his way down to the ring after multiple teleportations. Uh, then they were in the ring facing off against each other. And it was a mixture of seriousness and comedy between the two who clearly know each other very well, as I said. And it seemed like they could um, were given just the time to do whatever and say whatever they wanted. Jericho went on to say that Matt that he should have been aligning himself with the inner circle and not with the arrogant elite. However, Matt responded by saying that he owed the Bucks a use a debt uh, because they were able to resurrect uh, broken Mac, Matt Hardy. And that's why he's decided to join the elite in their eventual battle when it does occur at Blood and Guts. Jericho offered Matt another chance to join the inner circle, but Matt claimed that he is Damascus, and Damascus is over 3,000 years old. Chris then pointed out that he might be Damascus, and he must be extremely wise, but inside he's still the Matt Hardy that he's known for 25 years, and always living in the shadow of his younger brother, uh, bad bookings... But now he's also going to be living in the shadow of Le Champion. And as I said, he offered another chance for Matt to choose between the circle or elite. And that's when Matt started shouting, delete, delete, delete. Matt wanted Chris Jericho to take off his glasses so he'd see who actually was going to be deleting him and the inner circle. Jericho then slapped Hardy across the face and Matt punched uh, Chris back, knocking Jericho onto the uh, mat. Saying Guevara then jumped Matt Hardy from behind and Kenny Omega and Cody ended up coming down from the commentating area to make the save for Matt. Uh, they were bringing down chairs and swinging them at Sammy and Chris Jericho to end the show. As I said, just a they kind of took a step back from what they did well the week before with their first uh, show without fans. I think having the uh, guys at ringside, even if they were spaced out a little bit more to prevent the whole, oh, we can't congregate in uh, larger numbers than this. If they had done something like that to continue that, it would have worked out. The stuff in the back and the cutaways that way really kind of just didn't do much for the show. Um, and I noticed they seem to do a lot more close-ups than trying to see what was all going on. So you saw a lot of 
from the waist up uh, shots of the guys uh, that were participating. And yeah, just, I don't know what their plans are for the next little bit. I know Lance Archer is scheduled to debut next week. But other than that, it's up in there, and it's clear that they're waiting for a audience to perform in front of before they bring back the idea of the parking lot brawl, the lumberjack match, and of course, blood and guts. So once this all gets cleared up, and it'll probably be, a, I would say, another week or two after that, unless they continue just to build uh, anticipation for those matches. They'd have to reestablish them and then present them on a future Dynamite, if not officially on a pay-per-view. Because, honestly, Blood and Guts should not be given away for free on TV. It should be on a pay-per-view. So that's what happened this week on AEW. They probably recorded a lot more items for Dark. As last week, they had almost like six matches, I think. Featuring a lot of local talent, mind you. But they had a lot of matches presented on dark last tuesday so we'll see what uh, comes of it this week hello do you or someone you know have a business that you'd love to have advertised here on our podcast well give me a shout at our email address scumbagswrestling at gmail.com and let us know how we can help you advertise to the listeners of this podcast We'll give your business a shout-out, including information on how people can reach out to you and information on your services. Shockstock 2020 is coming to the Ramada, London on May 1st to the 3rd. The New Earth's biggest pop culture expo and film festival. The real end is near, as the outside world falls into chaos. Word of a sanctuary for mutants, freaks, goblins, and geeks spreads throughout the land. It's three days of thrills and chills, with screenings, panels, celebrities, workshops, interactive fun, vendors, and all-nighter parties. See special guests like James Lawrence, Mike Lackey, B.A. Johnson, and Sadie Katz. Shockstock 2020 is brought to you by Shockstock, Twisted Tees, Rotten Rags, and Taboo Textiles. For tickets and booking information, go to growtix.com. Shockstock 2020. You don't want to miss it. I'm Kyle Boone, one handsome SOB, and you're listening to the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast. Taking a look at everything that went on in WWE this past week as they built towards WrestleMania and doing TakeOver during NXT uh, regular time. Monday Night Raw started off with Paul Heyman in the middle of the ring. He had Brock Lesnar with him, and they addressed the fact that they live in most uncertain times, but the one thing that is for certain is... Brock Lesnar as WWE Champion as being the silver lining in the cloud. Paul Heyman then obviously, as he usually does, builds up Drew McIntyre as a made man who's been dining out on uh, previous one-ups of The Conqueror uh, for years. And he said, though, that's where things are going to come to an end for the Scottish superstar to... Brock Lesnar, McIntyre is just going to be another name on the list of conquests that he's had. And Lesnar will remain on top of the mountain as a WWE champion. AJ Styles and the OC then came out to the top of the stage. And they were talking, uh, AJ that was, was talking about the match against The Undertaker. And to be honest, it was kind of weak at the beginning. The first half was... Then he brought out the fact that Undertaker and Michelle McCool have been trying to save Tigers and showed their little PSA about that. And AJ basically said that he doesn't want to face Mark or Mark Calloway uh, in any ways. He wants to face the actual Undertaker. And he feels the only way for that to happen is to challenge him to a Boneyard match. 
um, that will invoke the original and most dominating dead man to come out and face him. Uh, so it appears that their WrestleMania match has been officially made into a Boneyard match. Um, I guess they don't want to say things like Graveyard or Death Match or anything like that. Especially with uh, the growing numbers of casualties and deaths that are happening with the coronavirus. They're trying to keep it as politically correct as possible. And so they've chosen the words Boneyard. Uh, this definitely looks like it could be, for myself in my opinion, a match that they're going to use a lot of bells and whistles. Some uh, smoke and mirrors. And maybe present it like how Matt Hardy did with the uh, Broken Matt Hardy series. The matches that they did with Bray Wyatt and the uh, New Day. and the, Bray Wyatt and Randy Orton. That sort of cinematic uh, look to it. Where they can have a little bit of fun in the fact that they have no audience there. And I think these two guys would thrive better in an environment with an audience so they could play it up but without that being available this is a really good scenario and option for them to do um and it's outside of the performance center so they're not all taking up the same space united states champion andrade and angel garza teamed up together to take on the team of ricochet and cedric alexander I was announced just before this that Andrade and Garza are now going to get a tag team title shot against the Street Profits. Um, I guess Selena Vega pulled some strings and got this happening considering the last time these two guys teamed together, they had actually lost a uh, tag team match. But in this night against Ricochet and Cedric Alexander, they ended up pulling out the victory. But Andrade kind of landed awkwardly which I'll have more on that in just a couple minutes. At the end of the match, though, the Street Profits needed to uh, come out. They had been on commentary anyways, but, uh, yeah, they chased off their challengers for the tag team titles. Then they had their match against Shane Thorne and Brandon Vick. This was a really quick match between these two teams with the tag team champions, Street Profits, picking up the victory. Charlie was in the uh, middle of the ring with Shayna Baszler sitting down on chairs with the lights out around them and just a spotlight on them as they were being I mean, talking about the championship match that Baszler is going to have against Becky Lynch at WrestleMania. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Baszler got hit with a chair and when the lights came back on, it was Becky Lynch who was standing over top of her. Becky... Uh, hit Shayna a few more times before walking away. Another match on the show had Alicia Black defeating Leon Ruff in a very quick match, just with a black mass in probably about a minute or so. Black is now scheduled to go against Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania. Kevin Owens had come out to address his challenge that he had for Seth Rollins to their match. Seth then came out and cut a really good promo on uh, Kevin Owens. Uh, he basically said that the performance center should be his home field advantage and that it was built off the blood, sweat, and hardships of those who took part in the FCW arena, uh, which was more of a warehouse than anything, and that he has an almost spotless record at WrestleMania compared to Kevin Owens. Randy Orton ended up ending the show with accepting Edge's challenge to a last man standing match against each other for WrestleMania. Orton continued to say that his love for Edge is the reason why he's been doing what he's doing to Edge because he doesn't want him to be injured again. But he's also willing to, I guess, do the injuring to put Edge back on the shelf and send him back home to his wife and children. So he did say that he accepts the challenge. 
And that's how Monday Night Raw ended up uh, concluding. Looking over at NXT that happened on Wednesday night, Austin Theory lost to Tyler Breeze. Prince Pretty uh, picked up the victory after hitting the beauty shot. Killian Dane defeated his opponent with a Vader bomb in quick form and fashion. This was a uh, squash match for them. Cameron Grimes defeated Tony Nice. There was another number one contenders uh, match for the ladder match. And it was supposed to be Aaliyah taking on Zaya Lee. For whatever reason, Lee did not come out. And instead, it was the return of Io Shirai who ended up defeating Aaliyah to insert herself into the ladder match to become the new number one contender for whoever walks away with the NXT Women's Championship after WrestleMania. The contenders for the North American Championship kept on lining up as both Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest want a crack at uh, Keith Lee. Of course, Lee was out there to address them, and he was good to take on either of them uh, as far as he's concerned. And, of course, this came down to a brawl between all three of them, and it ended with the Rare Breed getting the best of the exchange, taking on down both Keith Lee and Damian Priest with a springboard Tope Count Hero. And so it looks like they're gearing up towards those three going against each other for the North American title. Shane Thorne and Brandon Vink teamed up again on Wednesday night to take on Oni Larkin and Danny Birch, but their second night teaming together wasn't enough and they lost to Larkin and Burke. And the final match for the number one contendership ladder match took place on this episode and it had Caden Carter losing to Candice LeRae and Candice will now be a part of that ladder match. In one of the best matches of the week, it's uh, Matt Riddle taking on Roderick Strong. This was a really good back and forth match. Um, definitely, as I said, the, probably the best of the week and Riddle ended up hitting the uh, Bro Derek to claim victory over Roderick Strong. Unfortunately, as he was sort of celebrating his victory and Pete Dunne, his tag team partner, was not there this week, two uh, really huge guys uh, hit the ring and laid out Riddle uh, and hit double team maneuvers and everything. Um, after these two monsters ended up taking out Matt Riddle, Malcolm Bivens ended up coming out from the back with a microphone and introduced himself and declared the two men who attacked Riddle are going to be the future of the tag team division. Still don't know exactly who these guys are, but they're going to be accompanied by Bivens, and we'll have to see what happens. The show ended with Triple H wanting to find a resolution to the biggest feud in NXT history with Gargano and Ciampa. He invited both men out. He stood between them and declared that they needed to sell their differences as soon as possible or they could find themselves no longer in NXT. They both said they didn't need a big stage to fight each other. And Triple H said, fine, I will provide you an address, an empty building with a ring and a referee. The rest is up to you. So on April 8th edition of NXT, this is when they're going to have their match that should have taken place at TakeOver. They'll also have the ladder match with the women and I believe also Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole will happen on that show. Next week's episode will have the triple threat match with the North American title on the line. And the women who did not win their qualifying matches will have a second chance battle royal to get that sixth spot in the ladder match that will also happen on April 8th. So NXT is set up at least until then. They've already taped all this because the area that they are, the performance center is has actually forbidden people to go there 
since this past Thursday night at 11 p.m. Over on SmackDown this past Friday, the women involved in the now five-way elimination match for Bailey's SmackDown Women's Championship had a confrontation with each other. Bailey and Sasha definitely were not happy about this since they are best friends and don't want to be put against each other. And that's when Naomi, Lacey Evans, and Tamina ended up coming out. Lacey and Naomi were okay to be out there just trading back uh, verbal tirade with Sasha and Bailey. But Tamina, on the other hand, wanted to get physical and she took out Lacey and Naomi. Um, Sasha and Bailey went after them as well. And they looked back and saw Tamina shooting them a stare down and quickly exited before they became victims of Tamina. The first match of the night had Drew Gulak taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. The premise of this match was that if Gulak could beat Nakamura, that Daniel Bryan would earn himself a Intercontinental title match against Sami Zayn. Daniel Bryan was in uh, Gulak's corner while Cesaro was in Nakamura's and Sami Zayn was on commentary, all supporting their respective guys. Near the end, it looked like Nakamura was going to hit the Kinshasa on Gulak, but Daniel Bryan ended up saving Drew with a very subtle uh, way that not even the referee saw it. This allowed Gulag to pick up the victory over Nakamura uh, with a pinning combination. Sami Zayn had seen the interference and tried to point it out, but the referee didn't see it, so he can't call what he didn't see. And this now has Sami Zayn defending the Intercontinental title against Dana Bryan at WrestleMania. Then there was a brawl between King Corbin and Elias, and they were on top of the uh, podium that usually uh, Mauro Ronaldo greets everybody for NXT on, and we saw Triple H on it, uh, one of the first empty uh, performance center shows. And so they were up there battling, and Elias was on the other side of the railing where then Baron Corbin took his scepter and nailed Elias right in between his uh, eyes in the forehead, sending Elias crashing down to the floor where he needed medical attention. Then Alexa Bliss took on Asuka, and Nikki Cross was on commentating with Michael Cole, and Nikki just would not be quiet. She was just nonstop, talk, 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 chatterbox, chatterbox, saying that they were the uh, greatest women's tag team champions of all time, uh, the ending of the match came when Alexa Bliss was able to roll through an attempt by Asuka to hit the Asuka lock. And Alexa Bliss ended up hitting a DDT for a huge victory over Asuka. This is setting up now Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss to be able to challenge for the tag team titles against the Kabuki Warriors. The Firefly Funhouse ended up returning and Bray Wyatt basically talked about how his loss to Jan Cena six years ago was basically how the Fiend was born. Um, he took everybody through the oddities and complexities of the Funhouse and reflected on that match that he had with uh, John Cena before then saying that his match against John wants to be a Firefly Funhouse match. And so he challenged Cena to that to happen at WrestleMania 36. The main event of the night was supposed to be a tag team match between the New Day and the Usos to determine the number one contenders to face off against Miz and Morrison at WrestleMania for the tag team titles. Unfortunately, Miz and Morrison could not leave enough alone they were out there for commentating and a melee then broke out Ms. Morrison took advantage of both teams being exhausted as well from the battle and thought they had the upper hand by getting involved 
It was later announced by Michael Cole that regardless of this match being thrown out, that it would now be a triple threat ladder match happening at WrestleMania for the tag team titles. So it kind of backfired on Miz and Morrison. And that's where everything ended up on this week's TV. If you're looking for a great independent wrestling happening in our province of Ontario, look no further than Ontario Indie Road Trip. It's available on Facebook and YouTube, and we run down all the great events happening in this province. Whether you get in a car, bus, or train, there's a show near you. Support independent wrestling and the Ontario Indie Road Trip. Hi, I'm the Fireball Kid, Jordan James, and this is the Scumbags of Wrestling Podcast. Taking a look at the news of wrestling that definitely has a lot of impact on what's going on with WrestleMania coming up. It appears that the officials in Florida have decided to shut down any gatherings and non-essential buildings as of Thursday night at 11 p.m. This definitely did not bode well for WWE as they want to continue with doing recordings, but they were smart enough to figure out how to do all the recordings that they needed to include WrestleMania and, from the sounds of it, up until April 8th with NXT uh, and the t- rest of the TakeOver matches. It appears at the moment that WWE is hoping that that will be lifted in time for the SmackDown edition on April 10th, because if you count the days between Thursday and then April 10th, we're looking at about 15 days of being dormant, and so that's 14 days of nobody being there, and hopefully self-isolating, and yeah, as I said, WWE's hoping that they can find a way of getting back to work by April 10th, and they recorded everything that was scheduled to show up on TV between now and April 8th. The unfortunate thing about everything going on with the COVID-19 virus is that it's had a lot of impact on what they did end up recording and who was available for what uh, matches were going to happen at WrestleMania. Dana Brooke ended up self-isolating, so she ended up getting removed from the six-way women's match for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Rey Mysterio is also in self-quarantine, and that took him out of any possible match with Andrade for the U.S. title at WrestleMania, and that's why that match got turned into a tag team with the Street Profits defending against Andrade and Garza. Unfortunately, as mentioned earlier in the results, Garza is still healthy, but Andrade ended up getting hurt in it, and he's now out of WrestleMania. There's talk that Austin Theory got asked to be Garza's tag team partner in the match against the Street Profits. Then there was talk that, I guess, The Miz ended up uh, feeling sick and... He did not participate in WrestleMania. Turning that triple threat ladder match into a singles triple threat ladder match. Where I guess from the sounds of things and definitely no spoilers for who won, who lost or anything. Because I haven't even seen it and I don't want to see it. Let's be honest and clear with you right now. I try not to give any spoilers away unless they're absolutely wow need to um but the report is that with Miz out the each team picked a representative and they still did a triple threat ladder match the downside with the Miz being out due to illness is that this kind of then made Roman Reigns think his position in WD and being a part of WrestleMania. As we know, he had been battling leukemia uh, for a while, came back clean, but at the same time, that does 
kind of weaken your immune system. So with that happening, they're not saying that Ms. has coronavirus. It's possibly just as simple as a cold, but anything can weaken Roman Reigns' immune system and well-being. So he has decided to pull himself out of being at WrestleMania and not going against Goldberg for the Universal Championship. He apparently picked Braun Strowman to be his replacement in that match. So barring any other changes that have not been reported yet, that's taking out The Miz, Roman Reigns, Rey Mysterio, Dana Brooke, and Andrade from being part of WrestleMania. As far as other reports have come out, it appears that they have recorded everything, including the uh, two nights of WrestleMania, and are set to go. Those are going to be broadcast on the WWE Network. They have also the night after WrestleMania put together and the April 8th edition of NXT. One can only hope for the sake of the wrestling business and for viewers of WWE that the ban is lifted after that time and we get some more live action. If not, I'm guessing that Raw's and SmackDown's for the foreseeable future are going to be done via old footage or um, people are going to be Skyping in some comments and interviews. However they end up filling, that's going to happen, but we won't have any more new content uh, in-ring-wise until after April 8th. I would assume that would also uh, be the same with AEW. They are in a different county. I believe Jacksonville is compared to uh, where the Performance Center is in Orlando. But who knows, Florida might uh, deem the same thing for them. And AEW needs to pack up their tents and start figuring out what content they're going to put on while they're in isolation quarantine. Brody Lee was just recently on Talk is Jericho. And he explained a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes with his career in WWE and finding that he was hitting a brick wall with Vince McMahon, uh, regardless of how many times he tried to suggest things. Vince only saw him as a hillbilly, even though he's from New York, and even wanted him to do a southern accent, which he was not really good at, but still got told to use a southern accent. Um, I guess a lot of people seem to once they leave WWE, are using Chris Jericho's Talk is Jericho as their platform for saying what's been wrong with work in WWE and the audience of one. I, myself, am a huge Vince McMahon fan since I met him and talked to him after a Raw the next morning in 99 at the Sky Dome. So, and I've always been a fan of Vince McMahon for that matter. Truth be told. But at the same time, I do get it. It's an audience of one. People are not getting to be creative like they should be. Um, I can only hope that for the foreseeable future of WD, that Vince does eventually step down rather than dying at the gorilla position where I feel that's probably going to be what happens rather than him stepping down and enjoying his last years that he has. But the guy seems invincible and does not want to step away from his obsession and his company. Not that I blame him for that either, because you have a lot of pride in that. But you got to also see the bigger picture, Vince, and get with the times. I imagine when the Revival get released officially, because they are, have been taken off the road and appear to be the next ones to officially leave, they will be on Talk is Jericho, and giving their side of things on how their perspective of their career ended with uh, WWE. Impact Wrestling has canceled their uh, shows in April, including the Rebellion pay-per-view that was supposed to happen in New York. And so all their TVs have been leading up to this Rebellion pay-per-view. We'll have to see what happens in the future with their product of what they're going to show. They, of course, have Impact Plus to uh, have on-demand service 
they might take some of their matches and throw that on to Access TV for people to still have at least some content and look back on things. I hope you guys were able to catch the dark side of the ring. Episode number one and two of season number two were both focused on Chris Benoit and the tragedy that happened with the death of Nancy, Daniel, and the subsequent suicide of himself. And you get a different perspective from the people who were closest to Chris Benoit and the effect that it had on their lives, whether it was being on the road with him or even how his son David seems to be shunned by the rest of the world because he is like the spitting image of his father. So it's a huge uh, two-part episode of Dark Side of the Ring. I really enjoyed it. I even got my wife to watch it. She's not a huge wrestling fan, but she will watch the documentaries, and she was fascinated by it. So it's definitely worth a watch, whether you're a fan or not. Put your eyes on it. It's a great watch. Uh, Tyson Dukes was the stand-in for Chris Benoit in any of the blurred uh, reenactments that you end up seeing. And Channing Decker was also in the role of Chris Jericho and Eddie Guerrero for their parts when they were uh, doing any of the stuff reflecting on their uh, part in Chris Benoit's life. So it was a great uh, performance uh, there. Please join us, Chris Maloney and I, this Thursday on TNT, whether it's on Facebook or YouTube. We are going to be running down our thoughts on WrestleMania but we are also going to have a special guest with Tyson Dukes talking about the dark side of the ring. So 7 o'clock, you're going to be able to join us to talk about WrestleMania and our thoughts on the two nights of what's going to happen. Throw out some thoughts on that. Then at 8 o'clock, we're going to reset and start again with some of the news that's going on and have Tyson on our show. So please tune in Thursday, 7 p.m. or 8 p.m for our review of what's going on and talk about Dark Side with Tyson Dukes. Facebook, YouTube, join us please. In the ever-growing saga of Teddy Hart, apparently he was arrested yet again, and this time he is being charged with strangulation and assault on his girlfriend, Maria Manic, and I guess some wacky things were going on. There could have been some alcohol. There's just a lot. Uh, even, I guess, Ace Montana was there and had to pull out a gun to get Teddy to back off. Uh, yeah, like I said, crazy situation. Not surprised because this is Teddy Hart, and so he had to be uh, thrown in jail over this and is being charged with. A number of charges. So looking at what's coming up actually for WrestleMania. What is official at least before they did any changes. Because SmackDown I believe was recorded before these changes took place. That's why they were not addressed on this week's episode. But should be addressed this coming week between Raw and SmackDown. With things. Rhea Ripley is defending the NXT Women's Championship against Charlotte Flair. Brock Lesnar is defending the WWE Championship against Drew McIntyre. Goldberg against Roman Reigns for the Universal Championship. As I said, that's going to be changed to Braun Strowman. Becky Lynch against Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. John Cena versus The Fiend is going to be in a Firefly Funhouse match. Bailey is going to defend the Women's Championship from SmackDown against Lacey Evans, Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina. The Undertaker is taking on AJ Styles in a Boneyard match. Kevin Owens against Seth Rollins. Miz and Morrison's tag team titles will be online with a member of New Day and the Usos in a ladder match. The Street Profits are going to go against Angel Garza, and as I said, it's supposed to be Austin Theory now instead of Andrade. Alistair Black against Bobby Lashley with Lana. Elias 
and King Corbin are going to go against each other. Edge against Randy Orton in a last man standing match. Sami Zayn defending the Intercontinental Championship against Dana Bryan. And what I forgot to mention also in my SmackDown uh, update and results was that there was a confrontation backstage between Dolph Ziggler and Otis. And basically they're going to be fighting for the honor of Mandy Rose. Um, so that's coming down also, I believe, at WrestleMania. And this concludes another edition of the Scumbags Wrestling Podcast, episode number 98. I hope to come back at you either Friday night or early Saturday morning with the next edition so that it's in time to talk about and predict the two nights of WrestleMania. That's going to happen on the WWE Network on April 4th and 5th. It's two nights. we got a lot of things to talk about. Run down the cards as far as we know that they stand going into that event. And you can either tune in here for my latest update or also tune in to Thursday Night Throwdown on Thursday, April 2nd. We're going to be talking about all this with Chris Maloney uh, with TNT and have Tyson Dukes on the show while talking about the dark side of the ring with the Chris Benoit story. So there's a lot going on Thursday. You can join me here either Friday night or Saturday uh, morning with an update on what my thoughts are going into WrestleMania. And then also Saturday and Sunday, right after the network ends with WrestleMania, join Chris Maloney and I again with a reflection on what we just saw. So until next week, thank you for joining me. Be sure to send this out to your friends. Whether you listen to on Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, or anywhere else that they get their podcasts from, I deeply appreciate it. And we're getting towards number 100 in just about two weeks. Going to have a, some information on how you can be a part of that. As I said earlier in the show, it's going to be on Facebook or YouTube. And uh, both actually, for that matter. But Facebook and YouTube for uh, updates on show number 100 and I'd love for you to be part of it so until next week have a good one granted I understand it's essentially the same unappreciative crowd full of scumbags from last night's <laughs>